filler in business books and audiobooks takes up time that you don't have. You're here because you want the golden nuggets from each book without all the BS. The more you learn, the more power you have to affect the world around you. This is the Cut the Crap Podcast. Never read a book again. And here's your host, Ryan Calajuri. What is going on, you guys? Thank you so much for joining me on another episode of Cut the Crap Podcast, where week after week, I'm condensing books down to their core golden nuggets, doing my part, whatever I can do to bring some new information to your attention. Hey, you guys, do me a quick favor, if you don't mind, if you don't mind, and if you do mind, then ignore this, but if you don't mind and uh, you, know, you guys want to give me a hand, then I would greatly appreciate it. If you're listening to this on your iPhone or you're listening to this through iTunes, if you could do me a big favor and go on to iTunes and rate and review the podcast, it would really mean a lot to me as, uh, you know, ratings and reviews. I I look at those and I read them every single time they come in. So if you wouldn't mind providing me with a rating and review, it would mean a great deal to me. And thank you so much in advance to those of you who will go ahead and do that. Uh, It does mean a lot to me and I greatly appreciate that. So what are we doing this week? This week, we're talking a little bit about sleep. So, really interesting. Um, something about me that a lot of people don't know. Only my closest friends and relatives know this. I don't need a lot of sleep. I really don't. And so, I'm really funny that way where I'll conk out for a quick nap in maybe 10, 15 minutes and I wake up and I'm good to go, refreshed. Uh, every night, I usually get about six hours of sleep, but I don't usually use an alarm clock. Like, my body just wakes me up right away. And, uh, you know, I know what the stats say. They say, you know, you need about seven hours minimum of sleep, but sometimes I run really efficiently on four or five hours. And I'm telling you, like I wake up, I go to bed and I wake up and I'm wide awake. I'm like, may as well just go on with my day. And I feel great throughout the day. So this whole idea of sleep, we started talking about this with some colleagues of mine and they recommended I read this book, The Sleep Revolution, Transforming Your Life One Night at a Time by none other than Ariana Huffington. And I actually heard about this book not that long ago because I heard Arianne Huffington in an interview where she was talking about the reason she wrote this book. And she ended up writing this book because she was working long hours at the Huffington Post and one day she passed out. She passed out, she fainted, and she hit her head on the desk, you know, um, split her head open, blood all over the place, mild concussion, and it was because she was sleep deprived. And it was at that moment that she realized, you know what, something's wrong here. And she was intelligent enough to say, I got to do something different. I got to change. I got to do something differently. And so she changed how she slept. Before, she wasn't getting that much sleep. Four hours on average a night, that's terrible. And so she changed that. She said, you know, I don't want to put my life at risk. I don't want to put my health at risk. So I got to get myself some sleep. So she started changing that. She started getting more sleep and realized that all of a sudden she started to perform better. She felt refreshed. She was getting better results. And so as a result, she wrote this book. And so this book is really important. I... I, As a guy who doesn't sleep that much, I really appreciated this book because it gave me a reminder to say, hey, you know what, Ryan? Just because you can run efficiently on four hours doesn't mean you should. You should be trying to aim for your seven hours of sleep every single night. And so I thought this book was a good read. It gave us a little bit of um, insight into the importance of sleep. And so I'm going to share some of this stuff with you guys because I know a lot of you guys out there, you guys are hard workers. You're working long hours and maybe sleep just isn't a priority. So it's my hope that after listening to this episode that sleep becomes a priority for you. But in any case, let's crack right into this one, you guys. The Sleep Revolution, Transforming Your Life One Night at a Time by Ariana Huffington. Golden Nugget number one. The dangers of being a workaholic. I would characterize myself as a workaholic. I would. Not that long ago, I actually started to realize how important it was to actually get away from the office and not put in work. 
because I took pride in that. You know, for so many years, starting my career, it was just I was the first one in the office. I was the last one out. And I took pride in that because everyone looked at me and they said, man, you, you work hard. You work hard. And so I got that affirmation and I looked at that and I said, man, I'm doing something right. I'm working harder than everybody else. And I'm going to take advantage of that because I'm young. And because I'm young, I can go in and I can put in these extra hours. And why, aren't there, why doesn't everyone else do this? Why does everybody else, you know, they, they come in later and they leave earlier? Man, these guys are slackers. They don't want it as badly as I do. I want it more than them. I'm smarter. I'm better. I'm a harder worker. I deserve success and I'm going to get it. It wasn't until I was a little bit later on in life, uh, you know, by a little later on in life, I mean maybe about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, I started talking to some people who, um, you know, helped me understand maybe the, um, the errors in my way. And I worked hard all the time, guys. Like, I still work hard. But they told me that, you know what, there's more to life than just putting in hours at the office. And you got to get some sleep. You got to make time for your family. got to make times for vacation. You got to make times for the things that make you happy in life. And I would say, hey, don't worry about it. Like, I like my work. I like what I do. So I work. But that was a challenge. It's a challenge. And you can't maintain that high rev for so long. And so while for myself, you know, it hasn't been a problem, you know, for others, it is a significant problem. And maybe it's a problem for some of you out there listening right now. In the book, Ariana Huffington, she references um, a situation, a very sad situation that happened in um, San Francisco a number of years ago where um, a young man, Sarvesh Gupta, he's a 22-year-old analyst who worked for Goldman Sachs, um, he called his dad and he was talking to his dad who's, who's back in India and he was saying how, how stressed out he was and how he hadn't slept for two consecutive days and his dad was trying to convince him, saying, you know what, listen, you got to take some time off. Take 15 days of, of stress leave and come back home. And, and Sarvesh said, you know, I can't do that, Dad. You know, I got to work hard. My VP is breathing down my neck. They're annoyed. I have a presentation due. I don't have time to do that. Eventually, his dad convinced him, though. And Sarvesh said that, uh, you know, okay, I'm going to drop everything here and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come, come back to India. Um, this story doesn't end well. It was uh, maybe an hour or so after he talked to his dad. Uh, Sarvesh was found uh, to have committed suicide by jumping outside of his apartment building. You know, this is just one story, one story out of many. You know, just like Gupta, Americans and Canadians, people all around the world, people in Europe, Australia, they're suffering from sleep deprivation because of just compulsive working or just being a workaholic. And so while at the very beginning of this, I was talking about how I glorified and how I took pride in it. Well, I don't take pride in it anymore. I take pride in balance. I take pride in having a life. I take pride in being interesting enough to have a life outside of work. That to me is the key. But this unhealthy culture of being a workaholic is just, it, it prevails and people take pride in it. It's got to stop. It's got to stop. And again, on the, in the context of this book, being a workaholic prevents you from getting enough sleep. And in fact, according to a 2010 U.S. government report, 30% of all employees get less than six hours of sleep per night, while nearly 70% describe their sleep as insufficient. So right there, it's telling you that there's a significant problem here. People aren't getting enough sleep. And who suffers the most from this, you think? Who suffers the most from this? The working poor do. Now, in this book, Ariana, she references... Um, a survey from 2013 from the University of Chicago and found that a person's quality of sleep actually decreases as their wealth decreases, which causes sleepiness and can lead to sleep-related diseases. And the reason for this is, you know, it's layered, 
Number one, you're working two jobs. Sometimes you're working more hours because you have to get paid more. You're putting in the overtime because you want more money to pay the bills. If you're having money problems, that stress might be keeping you awake. And so that's problematic. And in a study by um, a professor at Stony Brook University, he found that poor neighborhoods, people who live in poor neighborhoods, actually get less sleep because it tends to be noisier, which of course just makes perfect sense. And um, one more you know, study from the book here that I wanted to share with you guys is that um, in 2014, a travel company called Skift, they conducted a survey to figure out why so few people were actually booking holiday packages. And so when the survey came back, they found that 40% of the American workforce hadn't taken a single vacation in the past year. This whole idea of being a workaholic is just so, so backwards. And I want to share something with you guys that I found that um, I really, really, really liked. And uh, any of you guys who follow me on LinkedIn, and if you don't, follow me on LinkedIn, you guys. Um, I uh, found this article that I really, really liked. It was, really always leave the office on time. That was the name of the article. And the article had uh, a number of points to it that just made perfect sense. And I'm not going to read the article for you. If you guys want to see it, you guys can get on my LinkedIn and you'll see uh, I posted it there. But there's a number of reasons why you should leave the office on time. Number one, work is a never-ending process. It's facts and we may as well get used to it. Therefore, stop focusing on one day or one week and start planning for a career. So harness the skills of time management and stop trying to get everything done in a day. Number two, interest of a client is important, but so is your family. Number three, if you fall in life, neither your client nor your boss will lend you a helping hand, but your family, they will. Number four, life is not only about work, office, and client. Number five, a person who stays late at the office is not a hardworking person. And this point here, actually, I'm not going to go into detail in this article. Like I said, if you want it, you guys can go on LinkedIn and see it. But this whole idea of the hardworking person, um, you know, one of my mentors um, recently told me that, you know, you're not working hard. You're working stupid. If you can't get everything done in the eight hours that you're here, then you're not working smart. You're not working efficient and that you need to get better at working. You need to be more efficient. And that mindset shift was so incredible for me, you know, um, we're working with an individual who's who's telling us, you know, you got to put in 12-hour, 14-hour days. And, you know, him being the smart guy he is, he goes, no. He goes, that's completely ridiculous. It's backwards. No, it just means you're inefficient and you're not getting enough done. So how can we make our days more efficient? And I like that. So let's just keep going on here on this list here. Um, number six, you did not study hard to struggle in life and become a machine. And finally, number seven, if your boss forces you to work late, get a new boss. Again, so I really like that article because it tried to help people understand and maybe become comfortable or introduce people to this idea of, hey, it's okay to leave the office on time. It's important to make time for your life. It's important to have an interesting life. Go out there, book a vacation, take up a hobby, take up jujitsu, spend some time with your family, go with your girlfriends, go with your guy friends, go out and do something. Be an interesting human being for crying out loud. There's more to life than just work. This idea of being a workaholic we got to stop taking pride in this, you guys. It's important to be proud of your work, but it's also important to live a balanced life. Golden nugget number two. Everybody performs better when they get more sleep. It's just that simple. You get more sleep, you do better. I don't care if you're a student, if you're an employee, or if you're an athlete. You're going to perform better if you get more sleep. So let's look at students, for example. With students, it's funny, but sleep deprivation, man, it starts at a very young age. You know, I remember back when I was in elementary school and, you know, I'd wake up at 7 o'clock, get to school for, what was it, 7.30, maybe 8 o'clock. 
And, uh, you know, it's this whole idea of just forcing yourself to wake up. It starts early on. And it's not like it stops. It continues into junior high, continues in a high school, into college, university, and in the workforce. You know, where we're just used to being sleep deprived. And I say sleep deprived, but I just mean, you know, oftentimes we're just getting used to going to bed a little bit later and waking up a little bit too early. And uh, this whole idea of being sleep deprived just becomes okay. It just becomes status quo. It's something that we do. But getting enough sleep is so important. For students, it's important for your studies. In 2011, the Technion Institute of Technology in Israel, they found that their students' attention spans, their ability to concentrate, it actually improved significantly when they started class times at 8.30 as opposed to starting class at 7.30. Again, just giving students the opportunity to get a little bit more sleep, starting a little bit later. That just little bit of sleep, that extra leeway, helps students get better marks, allows them to perform better. Take, for example, a British high school in North Tinside. They even experimented by having their classes start at 10 a.m. as opposed to, you know, which is an already late starting time, perhaps for some schools, of 8.50 a.m. Now, what did they find starting an hour and 10 minutes later than normal? Well, they ended up finding that as opposed to starting at 8.50, those students that started at 10 o'clock, they ended up scoring much better on tests. And I remember this in college and university. I remember this in high school, too. When I had spares first thing in the morning, you know, I'd strategically place my classes in the afternoon so that I could sleep in in the, uh, in the morning. And I actually found that I did way better on those classes. Let me tell you, there were classes I hated. Science, math, all that garbage. Can't, can't stand that stuff. Obviously, I went into marketing and sales and product development, strategy, what have you. So obviously, I didn't need a lot of science. But uh, I had a lot of science classes in the afternoon. And I did way better on those because I was more well-rested. So this whole idea of just sleeping more it actually helps students get better grades. So you might not be a student. You might have kids and this might be pertinent to them. And what about employees? Well, it's interesting. In the book, Ariana Huffington talks about how she uh, implemented uh, nap rooms in the Huffington Post in their offices in New York City. And at first they implemented them, a lot of people were skeptical. They weren't too sure if they were going to use them or not. And those who did use them, I'm sure they probably looked like they were slackers sleeping on the job. Come on, guys. What are you doing? Funny thing is, though, as the culture started to change and this became more acceptable, this nap room, which, you know, very few people started to use, now is overbooked. Interesting, hey? And this whole idea of the nap room didn't just stop at the Huffington Post. Now there's major companies like Ben & Jerry's, Zappos, Nike. They followed suit and they've also implemented nap rooms. And again, it just makes sense. How does it make sense, you guys? If you're sitting there at your desk, trying to pound through a report, develop a campaign, go through emails, I don't know what the hell it is you're doing, but whatever it is you're doing, does it make sense to struggle to keep your eyes open to try to get this work done? I mean, come on. How well are you performing there? You're struggling to stay awake. You're probably not giving it your all. What's the harm of getting 15, 20, 30 minutes of sleep in? Chances are you get that sleep and you're going to perform a lot better. You're going to be more well-rested, more alert, more focused. Doesn't that just make sense? It just seems so stupid. If you're tired, sleep. And so as an employer, you could do something about this. You can go to your HR team and, and implement a policy. Implement a policy that says, listen, you are allotted to have, you know, a half an hour max of sleep a day in the office, right? This might count towards your lunch. This might count towards your break. Whatever it is, by implementing this policy, you're saying it's okay. We understand. 
you know, you might have kids, you might have had a good night's sleep, but we want you when you're in the office. We want you performing at your best, at your best performance. We don't want, you know, a 50% of you. We want 100% of you. And so whatever it is we have to do to get 100% of you, we're going to do it. If you're tired, hey, it's okay to just close your door. It's okay to, you know, pull out a pillow. And if you're in a cubicle, just put your head on the pillow and put some earphones in and just get a quick, you know, 15, 20, 30 minute nap in. There's nothing wrong with that. Something you can easily implement. So what else can employers do? Well, if as an employer, you have an option of choosing your office space, choose an office space that has windows. I find this very interesting because offices that have windows, they promote healthier sleeping habits. And this was found to be true because in 2014, there was a study by the University of Illinois and they found that employees who work in windowless offices lose an average of 46 minutes of sleep per night. Why is that though? Well, it's because our bodies need that daylight to maintain our circadian rhythm. I'm not a scientist. Like I told you, I hated science and haven't taken it since high school. But, you know, from what I can understand about the circadian rhythm, it's just your 24-hour clock that, you know, is is based on seeing the sun and the dark. And it allows your body to sleep and wake up as the earth rotates and the sun comes up and the sun goes down. And this is something that's been seen in everything from plants to animals to uh, humans. If you're in the office and you don't see windows... Does your body know if it's daytime? Does your body know if it's nighttime? Well, according to these studies, you lose 46 minutes of sleep per night if you work in a windowless office. So something pretty interesting there. I don't know if there's something you can do there. Maybe promote walks during the day. I don't know. Promote on your breaks, going out for walks. Maybe implement walking meetings. I know Steve Jobs is famous for that. So those are two things you could do. One more thing that you can do from the book that I found that was interesting was that employees, they get better sleep and they save on travel time when employers allow them to work from home. Now, working from home is kind of a controversial thing. I know that a lot of companies don't like the idea of their employees working from home. You know, they like the traditional come in the office. You like to see your face in the office. And that, that, that's okay. I, I get that. But if you're looking for a way to improve the performance of your employees, this might be an experiment you might want to try out. Because employees get better sleep and they save travel time if they're allowed to sleep in. Which is why offices with flexible hours are actually very productive. And according to a Stanford University study, they found that workers in China who worked from home, they actually worked better. They were more productive. The study found that these employees who worked from home were up to 13% more productive than those who worked only in the office. So again, working from home, WFH. You know, I know a lot of my friends follow this whole WFH thing. I say, hey, guys, you want to go for lunch? I'm downtown. Let's do it up. He goes, nah, I can't do it. I'm like, why? What's going on? WFH. Nice. Man's working from home. We looked at students. We looked at employees. If you're an employer, what about athletes? Well, again, this is a funny one because athletes, they believe that sleep deprivation is a sign of this, you know, ability to be tough and gritty. You know, I I don't need to sleep. In the book, they talk about um, John Gruden. You know, one of the most successful coaches in the uh, NFL, the National Football League. And, um, you know, he takes pride in in this ability to power through fatigue and not sleep. I mean, he, he believes in it so much, he actually wrote a book on it. It's called Winning with Heart, Passion, Yep, and Not Much Sleep. How ridiculous is that? So crazy. And in his book, he talks and brags about, you know, you know, being one of the oldest coaches in the NFL, despite being one of the youngest. And... You know, you might wonder why that is, and it's because he works more hours in a day than a lot of coaches do. So he considers himself one of the oldest coaches because he puts in typically 16-hour days, where a lot of coaches are putting in 8-hour days. So he's doubling their effort. 
I mean, that sounds good and all. I mean, the man's successful. I can't fight him on that. But what he doesn't realize is that these kinds of sleeping habits, they only harm performance and the performance of their players who also need to get proper sleep. Getting enough sleep, it means the difference between winning and losing. It absolutely does. And sleeping more will help you win more. Sherry Ma, who's a Stanford University researcher, she did an experiment on this whole idea of sleeping more improves performance when she looked at basketball players. Now what Sherry Ma did is she observed the performance of these basketball players was she looked at their sprinting times and their ability to shoot three-point shots. She looked at those two things and she assessed them, uh, their initial performance based on six and a half hours of sleep and then she assessed them when they got eight and a half hours of sleep. So what do you think happened? Well, obviously I'm setting it up. You know what happened. Getting a full night's sleep allowed them to lower their sprint times by 0.7 seconds, which is significant. That's huge. And scored over nine more three-pointer shots. That's huge. The ability to sleep more helps athletes perform better. These well-trained individuals, you got to sleep more to perform better. If you're an employee, you need to sleep more to be at your best. As a student, you need to sleep more to score higher on your tests to be more focused. Guys, if you're not sleeping more, you're doing yourself a disservice. Golden nugget number three. The phone, your phone, can either be your greatest ally or your greatest enemy when it comes to getting enough sleep. Now, what do you guys do before you go to bed? Chances are you're watching something on TV very few of you are reading books and most of you most of you myself included in that list of course i'm included in that list you're on your phone you're on your phone playing games you're reading articles you're checking emails you're going through social media chances are you're looking at videos or reading articles or whatever it is you're doing you're on your phone and i don't think people realize just how bad that is i mean these days people are so increasingly addicted to their phones and you say that word addicted and i think that's true I'll, I'll talk for myself. I can't talk for you, but I'll talk for myself. And I feel like I'm addicted to my phone. I really am. I don't go very long throughout the day where my phone's not arm's reach away from me. I really don't. The only time is in the shower. The only reason for that is because I can attach my phone by Bluetooth to my speaker system in my, in my bathroom so I can listen to music or listen to uh, videos or podcasts or whatever while I'm in the shower. I mean, call me sick as it is. I'm always with my phone, but I don't think there's a lot of you out there who are different than me. I think a lot of you are very similar. You know, according to a 2015 Consumer Mobility Report survey, they found that 71% of people keep their smartphones by them while they sleep. So again, I'm not alone. I'm in good company. A lot of you guys do the exact same thing as well too. And so the challenge with this though is there's a researcher, a sleep researcher, and uh, his name is Heath Cleland Woods. And he found with his studies that he conducted at the University of Glasgow that people sleep less when they're emotionally invested in social media. And so what this does, it actually increases rates of anxiety as well, too, in the morning when they wake up. It's very interesting. So, again, there's a lot of emotions. I mean, I know for a fact that when I'm on Facebook, I'm looking at videos that either I'm laughing at, videos I get angry at, videos that I get sad at. I mean, there's videos all over the place and these videos are, are, are getting you emotionally invested. I mean, just the other day I was watching this, um, uh, well, I don't know what, what his name was. I forgot his name. I'd give him a plug because he's funny, but I couldn't remember what his name is. But these videos on YouTube where this guy goes to like grocery stores or he was in Las Vegas recently and uh, he does these, uh, these puns and he had just a ton of these videos. I ended up spending maybe about an hour watching these videos laughing. 
It's just so easy to get into it. And it becomes addicting. But I mean, that's not the biggest piece to it, though. Let's say you're not watching videos. Let's say you're doing emails. The dangerous thing, and I've talked about this before, is that the blue light that's emitted from your phone, that's where iPhone uh, put on this whole night shift thing. And before I thought it was just the light, but apparently it's the blue light um, that's impacting our ability to sleep. And this blue light that comes off your screen, what this does is it actually suppresses your natural production of melatonin. And melatonin, it's a substance that helps you get to sleep. You know, some people supplement melatonin. They take sublingual melatonin. They'll take it under the tongue or, or what have you. But your body's natural production of melatonin uh, decreases when you have this blue light shining in your eye. But here's the thing, though, you guys, is that even if you're not in bed looking at your phone, I mean, you might be looking at your phone throughout the evening. And it sucks because, again, it screws up your your, your rhythm and your ability to uh, produce um, melatonin. Because, you know, as the sun goes down and you know, night comes, you're looking at your phone all night long. And as a result, your body isn't used to this yet. And your body's saying, hey, it's still daylight, baby. I'm not producing any melatonin yet. And so your body doesn't produce melatonin, which makes it tougher for you to go to sleep. So a little piece of advice that Ariana shares with us. And it's a very simple piece of advice If you want to get a good night's rest, put your computer or put your phone away by 9 p.m. and try reading a book instead. If anyone likes that one, it's me. I'm uh, I'm old school. I always tell people this. I don't look. I don't pick up e-readers or e-books or anything like that. I I go traditional. I like to read a physical book, and so that's my thing. But uh, you know, it's this whole idea of just being able to disconnect from technology before you go to bed. If you're having a tough time sleeping, then by all means, do what you have to do to change that. Um, also definitely make use of this night vision thing. Definitely make use of this, um, I forgot what it's called again. This night shift. Turn your night shift on. If you're having a tough time going to sleep, maybe use your phone in night shift mode when it's dusk and see if that helps. That might help you fall asleep faster as well. So experiment, try something different. And last but not least, golden nugget number four. Don't be afraid to try natural remedies to get a deeper sleep. So this is a part of the book that I, 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 I really identified with. And I believe in this because I do it myself. So Ariana Huffington, she talks a lot about this uh, idea of using medicinal herbs like lavender, for example, to boost your sleep quality. I completely agree with it, you guys. Completely agree with it. I know some people be- don't believe in that stuff. And they think it's hocus pocus. But um, for myself firsthand, I-, I wanted to test this out. I was skeptical too. And the um, reason why I have this golden nugget on here, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I want to have an opportunity to tell you my story. So um, myself, you know, I, I kind of get a little bit restless and I realized this after I picked up a Fitbit and I looked at the Fitbit and it said that, you know, wow, you, um, you know, you might be getting six hours of sleep in. However, you're tossing and turning a lot. And so I looked at the data and it was consistent. I'm like, oh my God, I do toss and turn a lot. And so I did a little bit of research and found that, you know, maybe I'm not getting a deep enough sleep. And so uh, I looked into just different, different, you know, medicinal herbs that I can try. And so what I did was I picked up a diffuser. I picked up some essential oils, uh, lavender, eucalyptus, or, or two of them. And uh, so what I did was, before I go to bed, I'll load up my uh, my diffuser, fill it up with water, put, you know, five, six, seven drops of lavender oil in the actual diffuser, let it go in the room, and fills up the room with the scent of lavender. I go to sleep. Funny enough, I look at my Fitbit over the last, whatever, month that I didn't use the lavender. I toss and turn maybe an average of 40 plus minutes a night. Pretty crazy. After I use the lavender, I toss and turn less than 10 minutes a night. 
I showed this to my friends and I said, guys, like, look at this. It's pretty crazy. And so a lot of them actually picked up lavender as well, too, and sleep with lavender to diffuse her, too. And why not? If it improves your quality of sleep, do what you have to do to get more sleep. Why waste time? I'm not going to sit here and profess to what works and what doesn't work. That's not me. I'm a business guy. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. But uh, for me, I, I tried lavender and lavender works. You have to make an effort to get a better quality of sleep, whatever that is, whether it's putting down your phone at 9 p.m., whether it's turning on the night shift on your phone, or whether it's supplementing with with lavender, with tryptophan, with L-tyrosine, or whatever it is you want to take, medicinal marijuana. It's not up to me, you guys, up to you, and you got to do what you have to do in order to get a better quality of sleep, because overall, you're going to live a happier, healthier, more productive life if you get more sleep. All right, my friends, there we have it. That is the Sleep Revolution, Transforming Your Life One Night at a Time by Ariana Huffington. What a great reminder this book provided to us. The reminder that we need to get enough sleep if we want to perform optimally, if we want to do well, if we want to be happy, we have to sleep more. It's just that simple. And I like this book's reminder because, again, from somebody like me who doesn't sleep a whole heck of a lot, I'm going to do my best to try and not only get to bed earlier, but to change my behavior, change some things that are habits in order to facilitate better sleeping habits. But on that note, my friends, this is a wrap. That's the show for today, you guys. That's the show for this week. Thank you so much, you guys, again, for tuning in. Always means a lot to me. Again, as a reminder, if you guys have a little bit of time on your hands, I would greatly appreciate a rating and review on iTunes. Um, It would just mean a lot to me if you guys took some time out to do that. So thank you in advance to anybody who goes online and does that. All right, you guys, I hope you have a very good week, a productive week, and I will catch you guys back here with a brand new book and brand new Golden Nuggets. Have an awesome week. I love you guys. If you were to choose just one part of your personality to develop that would virtually guarantee your success, persistence would be your choice. Persistence is going to keep you going in the face of almost every obstacle that you can imagine. It is based upon your focus being directed towards the positive polarity in life. Its negative brother will bring you nothing but miserable disappointments, heartache, and tears. His name, of course, is stubbornness. So you want to stay on the positive polarity. It's a well-documented fact that a high percentage of all goals that are set are abandoned, usually fairly early. Numerous dreams fade and are lost because this one great quality has never been developed. And it's not that people don't try, they do. However, for the most part, Individuals who fail to develop persistence are operating with a misconception, which very likely results from their ignorance of the law of cause and effect. That's a law that Emerson referred to as the law of laws. Now, it's generally believed that a lack of persistence is caused by a weak willpower. Build an image in your mind of a hypothetical individual. We'll let this person be represented by our mind-body illustration that we've been using. Then say this person also believes that a weak willpower is the cause of a lack of persistence. 
Now, this person could be attempting to win a battle that's never going to be won. The cause of their problem lies in the image that they're emotionally involved with. You see, their problem is then compounded with the false belief that their behavior is the primary cause of their unwanted result.